Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from marginalized and communities of color doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. I'm your host, Jessica Yanez. This week, my guest is my sister Erin. If you are unaware, I recently traveled up and down the coast and was able to spend 10 days with my sister and her family in Portland, Oregon. Thankfully, I didn't have to persuade her too hard to come onto the podcast and share about our lives growing up. And honestly, we get pretty real, but we keep it funny. So grab your glass of wine and join us for the chisme. So we're kind of doing a whole, like, this is a whole new thing that I normally do because, one, I'm recording with my sister. Can I say hi now? You say hi now. Hi. <laughs> my sister, Erin. <laughs> and two, we're recording outside. We're having our own wine and cheese afternoon. And you guys have gotten to know me a little bit over the last 30 plus episodes, but I've really not talked any in depth about my family or my sisters. I've just kind of given examples. So I guess people are going to get to know me a little bit more, Erin. <laughs> okay. And just so you know, like it's a family thing. We call her Adia. So if you hear me say that. We as in you. Okay. Me. <laughs> it just comes out now though. Yeah. So I don't even know how I to. I guess some of the family, but nobody else besides our immediate, immediate family. family. <laughs> Yeah, it's just immediate family. It's just immediate family. But before we get into the chisme, of course, we get into the wine. So we're having, have you had this one yet, Erin? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's called Forbidden Rosé by Patterson Cellars in Washington, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're hearing a little bit of wind, it's because, like I said, we're outside and we're in Portland. So this is a 2018 rosé from Columbia Valley. Valley. It says, Forbidden Rosé is both a red and white lover's rosé. The label is, like, they made the, the wording in silver, so does not give itself to being read easily. Specially selected grapes used to produce this wine provide a robust and full-body combination of fresh fruit, spices, and herbal notes. This perfected rosé wine lingers on the palate for a long satin finish. All right, let's try it. Salud. Cheers. It tastes more like a white than a, than a rosé. It does. I don't taste very much rosé in there. Yeah. And, of course, the wind was not blowing at all, and then as soon as we start, the wind starts blowing. So, all right. Well, like I said, we get to get into the, the sister-sister cheese We do have another sister, but... You snooze, you lose. She's not here, so she doesn't get to participate. <laughs> so for a lot of people, if you don't know, I am the oldest of three girls. My sister Erin is the middle child. Yeah. And then we have one more sister, Molly, who obviously would be the youngest. 
But I'm five and seven years older than my sisters, which now doesn't right doesn't even feel like that no, anymore. There's like no. no age thing. But growing up, it yeah, because we were in elementary school and you were in high school. Yeah, so. it was like, how did you see? How, well, how did you see me growing up when with being that big of an age difference? What do you mean? How like I saw you as older. I didn't see you as a parent or anything, but you were definitely older and. I don't know. It was just more fun. Your friends would be around, and they always included us in everything you guys did. So we would just be the little tag-alongs that would go <laughs> everywhere you did, and it was fine. Obviously, I didn't mind it too much. There was always, every once in a while, there would be, but it was never you. It was always Molly that would give me, like, the, oh, <laughs> because she would do anything that anybody told her. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it was not that. Yeah, no. And, and well, here's the thing. When Erin was growing up, she was painfully shy. So shy, in fact, that when they had to take their verbal test to leave kindergarten to go into first grade, my mom and dad had to go in with her. Yep. And the teacher would ask her questions. And then Erin would have to whisper the answer to my parents. And then my parents would have to answer for her. Yeah, it wasn't until third grade that I started talking to my teacher on the first day of school. The other years, it took like half the year before I would actually start talking to my teacher. Is that when you met Andreana in kindergarten? Uh-huh. That was the first person, like that was the only person you would talk to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was my classroom <laughs> person. Can't think of the word. Um, so would she answer for you? Was she the she person probably, who did that? I don't remember. Your, tra- your translator? <laughs> yeah, she was my translator, my spokesperson. Probably. I didn't, I don't know. When you're that little, kids don't really notice those things, so it just was. I just didn't talk, and everybody knew I didn't talk, and so people would ask me a question, and then another kid would be like, remember, she doesn't talk, and then that was it, and then they moved on. <laughs> but it wasn't even you just talked, because you used to just give blank stares. It was like, you would just look at them like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> yep, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. That's funny. No, nobody... It really wasn't a big deal. Well, well, obviously at home, you were not the same because you wouldn't shut up at home. (laughs) Yeah, I would talk and sing and do all the normal kid things. So when, so you said third grade was the first time you actually like really talked to the teacher was, yeah. did you feel like there was something different or you're, no, I told myself cause every, I mean, at that age, when you're eight, yeah, that's getting a little bit older. Yeah. So you have a little bit more awareness. And so I pumped myself up because mo- I tried to pump myself up in first grade and I tried to pump myself up in second grade, but it was third grade. And I was like, okay, this is the year you're going to do it. You're going to go in and talk to the teacher on the first day because you only get one shot at that. <laughs> so I really pumped myself up like, and I yes. went into Wait, third please, grade. Were you looking in the mirror when you were doing this? Uh, probably. <laughs> uh, I like to act. So that was probably part of the equation talk in the mirror and pretend the teacher was right there. But I put myself up and I talked to the teacher the first day and the rest is history. (laughs) It's been growth ever since. I know people who know you now meet you now would never think that. No, no. Would never because you freaking, you definitely inherited the youngest side as far as being uh, social at this point. Yes. You grew into that. Yes. You grew into that side. Yes. Because, yeah. 
end up working with people where I have more of a leadership role and have to do a lot of the talking and a lot of the talking in front of people. So <laughs> when we moved to Albuquerque, mm-hmm. you were going in the sixth grade, which mm-hmm. was kind of for you was good because you were starting like, it's like a lot of kids start even in middle school and everything. Mm-hmm. But what was your first thought when you heard we were moving to Albuquerque? Um, I was, I was a people pleaser. So I looked at it more from mom and dad's perspective. And I knew that it was hard for them to move us away from family and everything we knew. So I was just trying to make the best out of it because I didn't want them to, I didn't want to add to the problems or I didn't want to add to the hardship that they had. So that's, I don't know. That's the way I looked at it. I was nervous because I was shy, but I didn't want to, I was I was such a people pleaser. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a burden to anybody. Okay. Let's be real. You're a people pleaser, maybe to mom and dad, not to me because <laughs> I'm your sister. <laughs> maybe. No, but I did. I gave in to everything. That's why I was, you and Molly were always the loud ones. And I was always like, I mean, I'd fight Like, of course I'm a person, but at the same time, you guys were strong with what you wanted. And a lot of times I'd be like, I don't, I don't care. Just do whatever. Well, yeah, especially because I was so much, I mean, that's when being five years older really rears its head, so to speak. Because I was like, well, I'm driving, so this is what we're doing. And I didn't care. I was (laughs) like, I'm here for the ride. I don't care, whatever. But, okay, actually, before before Albuquerque, when we were still living, because you and Molly are only 20 months apart, Mm -hmm. how did you feel that Molly used to dress you guys up the same all the time when you were little. I didn't even notice. I didn't notice until I got older and I looked back at pictures. I'm like, why are we always dressed the same? Mom, we're not twins. And then it made sense why everybody always asked why we were tw- if we were twins or how far apart we were. We're like, we're not twins. Well, I didn't realize that mom was dressing us the same or the same outfit in different colors. <laughs> she did. I don't know if it was laziness. Like, oh, this is good. Mom would be like, oh my God, you a new outfit. <laughs> Go try it on. Oh, that looks so good. So here I'm thinking I look good in my new outfit, not realizing that I'm matching somebody else. <laughs> Wait, yours was the Gato y Pero, right? That was, no, that was, Molly. that was Molly's. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was sh- later. And the twin thing was like, four years old and younger it wasn't as no it wasn't until you said something I think you finally I think you said something I, <laughs> I got think... to kindergarten I decided I can't yeah I think it was you who were like you we did not dress no. the same once I got to kindergarten no but every single picture actually I don't even know until what age yeah, you were like <laughs> you were the grumpiest okay Aaron was the child version of grumpy cat like <laughs> in every photo and then she would have her hair done, and then somehow by the no, t- <laughs> that is not true. That you play, you play at mom. That is mom a hundred percent. That lady does not know how to brush hair with anything. I'd be like, mom, it's picture day. Can you do my hair? And she'd do my hair, and there'd be hair flying all over the place. If you notice, in second grade is when I started doing my own hair because she didn't care. I don't know what she did with hair, but she did not know how to tie it back in a ponytail. Well, she didn't do anything to my hair because she didn't even know what to do with my hair because it's so big and See, curly. that was not me. My hair so... was always my thing. <laughs> even now, my hair is my thing that <laughs> I that was not me. That's embarrassing. <laughs> but when you guys were still in elementary school, because you and Molly are only 
Like there was only a grade in between you guys. Mm-hmm. So how was it growing up and still being shy, but Molly being so loud growing up? Because obviously I wouldn't really know because yeah. I didn't go to school with you guys. Yeah. Um. Honestly, it's so hard for me to think back because I've had so much life lived since childhood and like my focus has more gone to raising my own family that those memories aren't as major in my life anymore. So I only have like bits and pieces of that. Hmm. I mean, I know we, there were times where we liked it and there were times where we didn't. Um, our playground was split up where the lower grades had one recess and the higher grades had the other. So half of our elementary, we didn't even see each other. But when we did, she would, I just do, I remember she'd be kind of bratty and stuff. And then I just avoided her. <laughs> so we just avoided each other at school pretty much. And then we'd go get mom at the end of the day. And then come get us, yeah. me and my friends. Yep, yep. Pack in the car and start the carpool. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I totally remember even up to eighth grade. And me and I've seen, like, some of our some of my friends from then. And we're seeing how we yeah. used to meet. You, like, you and Molly would already be in the car. Yep. Mom would come pick us up, and it would be me and, like, Oh my gosh, four eight, to eight friends. Yeah, I was depending like, on the day. Yeah, that my mom would like literally. <laughs> she had her, her route bust of up. taking everybody home, and then obviously Christina and Alex and yeah. Melina would always end up yeah at our house at our house afterwards. So yep. it's so funny. Do you wish you had like because you didn't have a lot of close friends and stuff? Mm-hmm. Did you ever wish that you had? That you were open, because obviously you were still very kind of close. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think there were a lot of things. Like, I let, I think it was more of fear, just kind of being afraid to try things when I was little. And so I think that I wish I was more fearless when I was younger. But I never felt like growing up, I never felt like I had a lack of friends, and I never felt like I had a lack of support. Um but I definitely wish I would have been less fearful to try things. What do, what is there something in particular that you wish you would have tried when you were younger? Uh, I would have liked to try dance class when I was little. I think that would have been fun to try. I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> That's why. Blame it on mom. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to do that. That's actually on my... I, would, I don't know, bucket list, but that's on my list of when things open up again. I was actually going to start to take classes, but then things closed up. So yeah. that got sidetracked. So when things open up, I'm going to take adult dance classes because <laughs> I know how to laugh at myself now. Please send me video. So I, won't, I'm okay I, won't with share, I won't share them with I'm okay with yet. being the class clown now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So obviously when I was two weeks before my junior year. Yeah. Right before your your sixth grade year, we moved to yeah, Albuquerque. Right before my birthday. Oh my gosh! A couple days before my yes, we always moved around your mm-hmm. birthday. But I hate so let's compare notes in regards to oh, how we totally different <clears throat> because I hated it mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. because first of all, when we were still in Escondido, I was a cheerleader. I played softball. I was in student government. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I guess. I guess you could say I was popular. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we moved two weeks before my junior year in high school to a place where I don't know a single soul. Mm -hmm. Cheer triads had already, had already come and gone. So I couldn't do cheer. I would have, I had to wait into the spring to do softball. Yeah. And I like, I didn't know anybody. And it was 
I remember before we actually moved, I begged mom because Mara's family said mm-hmm. I could stay mm-hmm. with them. I could finish off. And mom was like, no, we're a family and yeah. we're moving as a family. So she did not let me stay. And it yep. was just like so, oh, my gosh. It was just bright part for me was I could be anybody who I wanted, mm-hmm. right? I could make up whatever. But then within the first couple of months, I freaking got in a fight, which was, I guess, maybe good because people didn't know who I was. And I ended up getting in a fight. And then after that, nobody ever messed with me. Yeah. Well, my growing up was different. I never got into a fight ever. And I would lose if I did. I got in several. I've got no problem saying that. So we moved right before sixth grade. I'd gone to the same elementary school with the same people, K through five. So I was obviously really comfortable at that school. Everybody that I knew was going to go to the same middle school as me. So moving before sixth grade, I don't really know what I felt. I don't fully remember. I remember being nervous, but I remember more of the experience of living somewhere different and thinking that it's really neat to see how different the culture could be even within the United States and just seeing a different part of the country and that part of it was really cool. I do remember one of those memories that stays in your mind forever is so our school did the first day of school was just for sixth graders so sixth graders can get used to it before the seventh and eighth graders came and we went to our homeroom and our homeroom teacher was taking us on a tour around the school and I like there was a girl that was talking to me so I was so excited like okay I'm not like walking by myself maybe this could be a friend and I trip over a desk or like run into a desk in the hallway and then everybody laughs and this boy's like oh that's as bad as running into a parked car and then like they continue on and I was mortified I wanted to go home and cry and like never come back to school again so that's how my middle school experience started (laughs) well it's so funny because we had no it was so different than growing up in Escondido because Albuquerque is also like it's divided into quadrants you have Northeast, Northwest, Southeast, Southwest. We lived in Northeast side, mm-hmm. which was apparently like the rich side, which we had no idea. Right. And I remember the first time we remember when we we're going to the house for the yes. first time and we yes. passed this big, huge building and I'm like, oh, yay, we're next to a mall. This yes. that. And you and Molly were like, no, that's not a mall. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And you're like, you guys saw the sign because yeah. I didn't see the sign. They're like, I think that's your high school. And it's like, because, you know, like growing up in Southern California. Yeah, all the schools are outdoors. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't have, different. you don't have uh, stairs really. Mm-hmm. You don't have everything being inside, especially being in San Diego. You have grass between the classrooms. You have right. between the buildings and lunches outside. There's no cafeteria. No. It's all outside. Mm-hmm. So if it rains, you just find a spot under the awning yep. or something. But that's yep. pretty much it. So... That was like so intimidating for me when I first went because I didn't know legit. I did not know what to expect. Yeah. So I did meet one person. I met my friend Jamie, who we still like are connected yeah, through. Yeah, I remember Jamie. Yeah. So she was like my first friend because she had just moved from a different part of New Mexico, uh, from a way smaller uh-huh. town in New Mexico. And then I think it was my senior year that I met like Jenny and like other mm-hmm. My other fellow Latinos that I was like, yes, my people. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was really 
I mean, I did get involved. You got involved pretty quickly I with did. show choir. Yeah, and then Razzle Dazzle. That was my one. That was the cheer, dance, and drill team. <laughs> Good times. Do you remember, oh my gosh, I have not thought of this in forever. Do you remember that time? Because it would rain. It would like, they had like monsoon season. Yeah. Remember? And I had to go pick you up. First of all, my parents gave me an option. When I turned, I could either have a quinceañera because all my friends had quinceañeras and I wanted quinceañeras. So they're like, you can have a quinceañera or you can have a car. And I was like, well, duh, give me a car. But I should have stipulated, can you pay at least as a quarter of as much as you would have paid for a quinceañera for a car? <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> uh, your first car was? It was a total hoopty, <laughs> which I don't keep, think people use that word anymore. Although but I will really say, was. okay, so side story. We were watching The Wedding Singer yesterday, and I was noticing the cars on there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these cars are so funny. And then I did have the thought of your first car. It's like, <laughs> your first car would totally fit into this movie. So, well, because my first car was a... 81 Honda Accord hatchback, silver with like red interior, was so contrasting, but I was just so excited to have a car. But like I said, I should have asked mom and dad, I think they paid $1,500 for that car. I think they did, yeah. And, you know, here we are going to a school that literally people (laughs) have Mercedes, BMW, brand new Mustangs, like, yeah, like luxury cars. And I am, you know, in my little rinky-dink Honda Accord hatchback. Yes. Which wasn't bad the first year. But the second year, my senior year, because we moved into a house that we built. So it was a little bit farther away. Not that much, but a little bit farther away. And every time I would make this turn, (laughs) if, if... People were going and there wasn't, but as if there was traffic, my car would stall. <laughs> and I'm like, it was so embarrassing. And so, what year was that? 95. So, we're talking a 14 year old car. Yeah. I think I think mom and dad got it for me in 93. Okay. Right before I turned 16 because we moved. Because in Albuquerque, you can get your license when you're 15. Yeah, so we got there before I was 16, and then they got me a car pretty quickly. Yes. Just, and okay, so this was leading me to like what I was saying is monsoon season, right? Yes. And I had to pick you up from Razzle Dazzle. Yeah. And it was raining so hard that I thought car, like it was going to get in the car. <laughs> yeah. Because we were driving and the rain had risen so yeah. high. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if this car. If it gets in this car, we're being taken away. <laughs> gonna float away. In the You're river. gonna float away. The, the Rio the... Grande. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my. yeah. But did you notice because mom and dad, obviously, you were really, really young when grandpa passed away. Mm-hmm. And mom and dad like never talked a lot to us in Spanish. It was always like Spanglish and little words and phrases. Yeah. Like, anything that had to do with cleaning, mom said in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything outside of that, they didn't. Right. But I did notice, like, but mom and dad wouldn't always necessarily use, like, the accents when they would speak. Right. Right. So, so I blame that on them, too, because I don't have a good Spanish accent. Well, I do, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> mom didn't use those words with us, though, with me and Molly. I don't think she really used those words for cleaning and whatever, because I don't know them. Maybe it's just because you guys were so little. Because she would be like, Jerry, my la cocina. You know, like. Yeah, she never really said that. 
so. Why well, don't know? Maybe, maybe it's just I yeah. heard it because I was older. But also, my friends who I regularly around, yeah. they so. not only spoke Spanish, but their parents spoke Spanish. Right. So I got to, and then the friends that you and Molly were like your core friends. Yeah. It was so crazy how different it was. Very different. Because my core friends were like Filipino mm-hmm. and Mexican. Mm-hmm. And your yours and Molly's core friends weren't. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you were you you were the you had the caucasity of yep. friends. Yep. <laughs> but when we moved to New Mexico, I remember like feeling a little bit shamed. Not that anybody made me feel like that. I think I made myself feel like that. Because everybody is really about not only like who they are, but saying things the right way. Right. Like, no, your last name isn't Perez, it's Perez. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. No, it's whatever. And when you would say things, especially when you're around the Mex- the Latinx culture, which we didn't use that word then. It right. was like, when you're other, back then it was like using the word Hispanics, but when you're around other Hispanics, it was like, no, this is how you say it, and you need to say it, and you need to represent. And I know you had a totally yeah, different experience. Yeah, mine was different. Probably from my age. I mean, at that time, I was only... 11. Yeah. So that was like remember. seriously my first experience in being like, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Even though growing up, and even though my, most of my friends came from very diverse backgrounds, right. even though I was very much aware of like immigration and things like that, and we right. were already talking about those right. things. And I'm sure you know, you haven't seen it, and I know you definitely did not experience this because you weren't even born, probably. Of grandpa used to manage the, the citrus fields. Right. Yep. Yeah. And because I think he was already, yeah, he was way past that when you were right. born. Right. So, yeah, so Grandpa used to, you know, monitor or, like, he used right. to manage the fields and stuff. Yeah. So I feel like I got a taste of those types of things of, you know, immigrant workers. Grandpa's an immigrant. Right. Like, right. I feel like I got a taste of a lot of that right. very young. Right. And a lot of my friends, their parents were immigrants. Right. Even though mom and dad weren't, they were born, you know, on, in the U.S. So I feel like that, I was, I became very aware of that I really young. I had the awareness of immigrant workers really young. I knew, obviously, about grandpa's work history and everything. and But I think beyond that, like, I was just a kid and, like, nothing was a big deal. And so I, and I even think probably in Southern California there was a big thing between illegal immigrants and natural born citizens and so like I was aware of those things or even getting questions of like oh is your mom first generation or undocumented undocumented (laughs) there you go but um yes but at at the time they called it illegal so that's how they referred to it as illegal and so like that that was what I was aware of growing up um but I don't think that it was so much there almost wasn't as much of a celebration of culture like you said, like even like like we weren't you we didn't have to be a representation of our culture or our background. Like that was just kind of who we were. Yeah, we even had that in our household because we had Angelica, right, and mm. Estelle. Okay, Estelle was the older one. Okay, who you and Molly used to say was really mean to you. <laughs> That's why I only remember Angelica. She was really nice. I liked her a lot. <laughs> You make the best tortillas. <laughs> so we even used to have immigrant, really yeah, immigrant workers in our household. And Angelica would, Angelica would speak Spanish to yeah, me. Yeah, I remember people trying to teach me Spanish as a kid, but I just 
I don't think I had it consistently enough to remember any of it. Like, I think it was more of like from probably because in Helico was when I was really little. Yeah. And so then like once I became school aged, it just wasn't consistent in my life. So it, it wasn't just kind of ingrained in there. Yeah. But like I said, so Albuquerque was like the first time, not that I became aware, but how important it was mm -hmm. to make sure you're saying things like representing yourself with within your culture by saying the things correctly. Right. Like by saying, you know, using the accents, using the like saying, no, this is who I am. Like, I don't have to say my last name is Hernandez. It's Hernandez, right. you know, like whatever that is. Right. That was like the first like really big moment for mm -hmm. me and then so we were there less than two years then we yeah. moved back to california yeah. and that was you were going into eighth grade then right? eighth grade yeah so were you since a lot of the people because the middle school you were going to yeah. was the same middle school i went to yeah. in valley yeah there was a lot of kids that you had grown up with that right. so, so was it easy to kind of no. how was that it was harder actually i would say going back to a school where I'd grown up with all the kids was probably harder than starting afresh because they had already had their middle school years, which those are pretty informative. Yeah, pretty informative. Like they form who you are. And so we'd missed that together. Albuquerque was a completely different culture. So I had grown up with different curriculum, first of all, in school, different around different people and doing different activities. And so going back to that school, it was like I was moving to California for the first time almost. So I didn't, I mean, I knew some of the same people and I hung out with the people I hung out with were people I'd hung out with in elementary school, but it wasn't really deep friendships. It was just kind of like, Oh, these are my friends. So there's somebody to hang out with. So I would say it was harder to move back in eighth grade. That was probably when things probably when I was like, okay, this moving thing is not fun. And I'm not liking this at all. I know because you moved like really. Yeah, in it was right before my 13th birthday yeah. that we moved. So And then we moved right after I graduated high school. So right. I came back and because I had gone to middle school with a lot of people and I had made very deep friendships with people that I still, even when we moved to Albuquerque, I still kept in touch with. Right. I just kind of picked up where I left off with my friends because right. we had all just got, you know, well, they were a month behind in graduating. But I got to go to their graduations. I got to hang out with them. It was like no right? time well, to pass. I mean, California is a way faster moving place than Albuquerque, New Mexico mm -hmm. is. So I was, I was still way behind all of these other middle schoolers. So now you wouldn't know this because you were in middle school, right? But to me, it was like the epitome of sex, drugs, rock and roll because there was nothing to do there. Right. Yes. So all people would do was party, get drunk. I right. never. I had friends who would smoke weed and stuff. Okay, so this is how naive I was to what that was. Okay. I knew what it was, but I never smoked it. I right. knew what a joint was, but right. I never tried it. Even by the time I graduated high school, I had it. Mm -hmm. And they, people would say they're smoking a bowl. Right. <laughs> and I and I never said anything because I felt like stupid, which I'm glad I did right. it. I was thinking like a cereal bowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't understand yes. like, yes. what do you mean you're smoking a bowl? How do you know what size? Yeah. How do you like what's too much? What's right. too little? Yep. Not realizing it's just this little teeny right. tiny thing. I didn't even know that until after. You know, well, I think 
somebody had done it in front of me, my friend said, smoked. And when they would ask me, I'd be like, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. So you'd seen people smoking a bowl. You just didn't know that that's what it was called. No. Well, before it was people were smoking joints. So I didn't know. So the first time I actually saw it and they're like, pack a bowl. Oh, okay. Then it connected. I was like, oh, because it wasn't like I was around it very often. Right. And I didn't ever have friends no matter where I was in my life. I've not ever had friends who, if I said no to something, they like would pressure me. Right. Same. That was my thing too. I think in a lot of things growing up, I realized how sheltered we were. A lot of things growing up, I didn't know what everybody else around me was talking about. I just pretended I did. And that's actually been a very good skill as an adult. (laughs) Dealing with people in different industries that I know nothing about. And I smile and nod at them. People I leave and they're like, they ask me questions about it. Like people that are really close to me, like, I didn't know you knew about that. I'm like, I don't know about it. I just know how to pretend like I know about things. So I'd real, I would just like, pretend like I knew what everybody was talking about, but not have any idea. And then eventually something would happen. And I'd be like, Oh, that's what that is. That's so. No, I, I do that too. And especially, you know, around, I have a lot of physician friends, so right, they're all yeah. talking about, Oh, this, that. And I'm like, mm-hmm, sure. And right, they're like, do you exactly. know what we're talking about? I'm like, no. And they're like, Oh, you acted like oh, you do. Yeah. And so go back to the thing too, is I never was around anybody that whatever pressure me so if I said no so if somebody would be like oh do you want to do this I didn't know what it is I would just say no and they're like oh okay and then they'd move on and then I'd be like oh that's what that is I wouldn't know what they were asking me what I wanted to do so I would just say no and just say no just say no (laughs) I did win an award for my dare essay in fifth grade so it was effective you are such a nerd (laughs) so then we end up moving back you end up going to Hidden Valley your fr- your eighth grade year. Yep. Orange Glen your freshman year. Yep. Then. Yep. We move moved again. again. <laughs> but this time I didn't move with you guys. No. Because no. I was like, heck no. By the time I was 18, I wanted to be on my own. Mm-hmm. So, which... I don't know. I think I just have this wild. I think it, that's part of my wild streak. I just yep. kind of want to do my own thing. Yep. So I moved in with Susanna, mm-hmm. and we moved into our own place, which yep. that was Party Central. Yes, I remember. And then you guys moved up to Orange County. Yeah. Okay, so starting your sophomore yes. year, how was that? That was hard. And I had a lot of the same experience that you did from in your Albuquerque move, because I went to a high school that was very similar to La Cueva, and yes. it was a very... Hoity toity high school? No, but like affluent, a very oh, yeah, affluent, affluent area. A very affluent high school um, with a lot of people. Like there was, gosh, thousands of kids at the school. It was two campuses. It was huge. Orange Line was small. It was everybody from this small town. So that one was really, really, really challenging. I definitely at that point was ready to start. I don't know, branching out a little bit, but not knowing how. So that's probably the things that I was fearful of. I think the things that I was fearful of that I wish I would have done more is just talk to people and do those things. And so I've since learned how to do that. But I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to just go up and make a friend. And so when the school was so big and you almost can't even navigate it, trying to make friends on top of that was really, really challenging. So I had a few friends that I made and like, that was fine. I never really went beyond that. By So sophomore year was really challenging that way. But by my senior year, it was fine and it felt comfortable and like home. But 
it was definitely a tougher transition. The toughest out of all the moves, for sure. You graduated from there, right? Uh-huh. El Dorado? Wait, not uh, El Dorado. No. Esperanza. Esperanza. And you yeah. started with the E. Yep. Because then Molly ended up moving after that. Yeah. So how was it? Because by the time you were, by the time you were a junior, Molly was going there too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I didn't see her. I don't think I ever saw her. Okay. So you and Molly used to do what I used to do with my friends in high school, which was ditch all the time. Well, yes and no. Because <laughs> again, like I was such a rule follower, but at the same time, so Wednesdays were, was parking day. I mean, street cleaning days. And so the parking lot, if it was full, there would be no street parking because you would get a ticket. And so we, if the parking lot was full, we would just leave (laughs) and then come back at break when there was parking in the parking lot. And then we would just write notes because mom told us we can write a note. And so she never knew which ones we were responsible for (laughs) and which ones we were. Wait, did it the school call? Because Molly did. Molly ditched a lot. Like I only did it. That I never ditched any other time. So Molly would ditch. I don't even know what she would do. Again, we didn't see each other at school. The school was so big, and you were kind of, I mean, you'd be one side of the campus, and then your next class would be on the other. So you're just going to class to class, is a lot of people. So Molly ditched, got in trouble, and then mom had to come down to the school. And so I get pulled into this because they had to compare all the notes that Molly had and all the notes that I had to try to see which one mom wrote. Well, mom shot herself in the foot because she would always have us write our own notes. So none of them were notes from mom. And so she didn't know which ones were from her that she said we can do and which ones we didn't allow us to do. And so when she came in, she had to approve all of them. <laughs> What did she do when you guys got home? I I didn't get in trouble because I didn't do anything, so <laughs> I don't even know. She's had us do that since like elementary yes, school. Yes, She's so since lazy. Elementary school. She'd be like, just sign my name. <laughs> I know. She would do that to me too. And I used to ditch and mm-hmm. whatever. All your notes look the same, so nobody knows any different. Um, well, you, so you were never somebody who like really dated a lot, who was a partier, who was this or that. No. So you kind of, yeah, I feel like your experiences compared to mine and Molly's are very, very Very different. different. Very different. I was definitely the wallflower. I, and I knew it and I didn't like it, but it's the only role I knew how to play. And so I just went with it. So what do you mean? Um, well, I mean, people wouldn't really, I didn't, it's not like I didn't date cause I didn't want to, <laughs> but I was also too shy and too embarrassed to even show anybody that there was any interest or I just, I was very friends do the, Hey, so-and-so, Hey, so, cause I was like, I feel like that's a lot of high school. Yeah. Too. I think I was just so like, I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but I was just, okay. Well, we had to, Change rooms because it was getting really hot in the backyard. Yes, very. So now we came to the boys' room. <laughs> yes. So if it sounds different, that's why. But, whew, that was hot out there. Hot with the wine. Yeah. Bad combo. Actually, I don't even know where my wine is. I don't even know what happened to it. Oh, um, maybe you didn't bring it up. I th- yeah. I, I grabbed was... mine because <laughs> I'm trying to be entertaining. Thanks, thanks for looking out. Jeez. <laughs> Well, I had to bring the whole setup. That's mm-hmm. what it was. I had to bring mm-hmm. the whole setup. <clears throat> well, let's kind of just go back because obviously, okay. like, just as far as the sister dynamic, our sister dynamic has changed oh, significantly yeah. growing up. Because the only thing we 
the only thing we used to really do together is obviously if I had to pick you up or right. whatever. And I do remember, like, not being nice as a kid. Like, I remember those, like, I remember things about it, but, like, I don't like, remember. Like, I'm maybe 100% with you. We were all mean to each other, by but, the way. But, no, no, no. <laughs> yes, we were. That's a sister thing. But you had a stick up your butt until you got married, and then it came out a little bit. But once you became a mom, See, and totally that was so changed. frustrating for me because that's what everybody said. So I'm like, why am I going to be real with my family when all they do is, like, tell me how horrible I am? Like, I didn't want to be real with anybody. I didn't want to I think you anybody... were horrible. No, but that's but all anybody I felt like ever you were told so me. Uptight. All I heard, yeah, you're uptight, you're this, you're that. But, like, nothing was ever positive. So I'm like, well, if you're not going to say anything positive, I'm not going to give you anything positive. So that was part of that reason of that. And then I guess I became a mom. Yeah. And so then when I became a mom, I was like, okay, well, I want, I want my kids to experience something different. So I wanted to bring something different into that. Like that was probably like, we're really big on name. Like you are not allowed to call names. You're not allowed to like be negative because not that you're not allowed to share how you're feeling, but I didn't want them to feel like their identity was in what other people told them they were. Cause that's what I took my identity as. It's what everybody else told me that's my identity. And I do not want my kids to have that. So that's where I started growing and maturing and changing because I wanted them to figure out who they were on their terms, not from other people telling them who they were. Yeah. I think we all had that to a certain extent because mine was always, and I, I, we were having this conversation in regards to like what people tell you when you're a little kid Mm -hmm. and how that yeah. Like affects you when you're older, yeah. right? Because with me, everybody was like, oh, I'm so outgoing. So this, which I am. Right. But I also used to get made fun of for my hair all the time. Right. I used to get called fro. I used to be bullied. And I don't know if you never knew this or not. Like, especially when I was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. um, I used to call mom at lunch and have her mm-hmm. pick me up all the time. Yeah, I remember some of that. Because I would be crying, because I would get bullied. Mm -hmm. And then people would, like, bully me, supposedly on behalf of other people, right? Right. Like, oh, I'm going to get so-and-so on you. And -and so-and-so didn't even know who I was. Right. And then I met them. Right. Like, it was this other girl named Jessica, and they're like, oh, I'm going to have Jessica so-and-so kick your butt, blah, blah, blah. And she was, like, somebody who was very intimidating. Right. And then I met her in the girls' restroom and she was the sweetest exactly. person. Yeah. And then we became friends. She's like, oh, you're Jessica, I'm Jessica. And then the next yeah. time that night person told me something, I'm like, go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> Which is funny because I think now you've touched on some. Now the memories are coming back. Give me some wine. Ask me the right <laughs> question. And all the things come back. Because I think that's why I was so shy. Because I was told that I'm only negative. I'm only this. So it was easier being a wallflower. Because if I was to go unnoticed, it was better than people seeing that in me or putting more on my identity. I didn't think I was that great. I didn't think I had anything to offer anybody. And so why give people a chance to just tell me more hard things that I have to try to ignore? Did you feel like I was part of that? I think everybody was. I feel like, I feel like you were the least part of it because I feel like you had your experiences that were really hard for you. So you understood. So you would always be like, I love you. I mean, mom and dad were great at always saying like, I love you no matter what, all these things. And like, 
you know, mom was always so good. This is the thing. This is the double-edged sword, though, because mom was always so good at saying <laughs> that we were so pretty. And that, like, she's like, I just have the three most beautiful daughters in the world. And she would always tell us how pretty we are and just build us up in that way. But a lot of times it was followed by, oh, poor thing over there. She's ugly. I'm lucky I have three beautiful daughters. So then I'm like, oh, great. This is what mom's saying. Like, what are other people saying about me? I don't know. Because that's what mom, of course, it's your mom. What else is she going to say? Yeah. But she'd always be like, oh, that poor thing. So I put that no, she on like, myself. Ay, pobrecita. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, but I think that you had your experiences. And so you had a lot more empathy for growing up and obviously you're closer in age and so just realizing how hard life can be sometimes and so you're just like I'm here for you whatever like you were more of like I want you to be a strong person I want you to be confident I want you to do this but of course we're sisters and so there's that sisterly relationship like it's funny because me as a parent with my boys I don't know half the things that they say to each other and half the ways they cut each other because I'm the mom like they don't put me in some of that stuff so even though I address the things that I see I know there's a lot of things that I don't see and that they are affecting each other and I hope it's for the positive but I know some things are hard yeah but then growing up because it was me or Molly we were, it was always two-on-one right it was rarely all three of us were on the set we did have moments when we're on like we because grandpa lived with us after right. grandma passed away yeah. and we shared a we shared a room, but didn't share a room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I slept with grandpa. Sometimes I'd sleep in our room. You and mom and Molly slept on the floor of mom's room. Yeah. Or sometimes I would sleep, like you would sleep in the room and I would sleep with grandpa on the floor. Yeah. Apparently we didn't like beds when we were little. <laughs> I always slept on a bed. That's you and Molly's thing. <laughs> oh, man. Because I, yeah, I always slept on a bed. Yeah. But... There was times where, yeah, we were definitely like on the same thing. I think Molly's baking kick got started. I'm the one I feel I'm the responsible person for her baking kick because on the weekends we'd be like, let's make snickerdoodles or let's make cookies. Yeah. That stopped. I don't know where that stopped for me. I stopped baking and Molly kept going, but I cook. Right. And then, but it was always like, we would make haunted houses in the room. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We had, I mean, as many hard things we had, we had a lot of really, really good moments. And we were always there. I think no matter what, we were always there to support each other. And we all, like, definitely have a really good foundation of relationship. Like, even now, like, well, we can be honest with each other. or We can be mad at each other. But we know that. At the end of the day, like that was mom's thing is she was like, one day your dad and Arya aren't going to be here and all you're going to have is each other. And so she really worked on that. And I think that your friends come and go, but your sisters will always be your sisters. And I think that there is that. I think that as much as maybe we don't agree with each other all the time or we have different views or different philosophies on ways we live our life, like we know that each other is there and that we can truly trust each other with our heart, with the, you know, the good, the bad, they might say your opinion or complain the whole time while helping, but they're, we're always there for each other and like, wouldn't even hesitate to do whatever we can to better the other person. Yeah. I mean, it, now, yeah. now, <laughs> back then, we'll do, yeah. as adults, we don't, we, I don't, I don't know if we want to say all the things we got into when we we're little, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but no, I agree. I think, are like me and you were never that close. We no. that time that like growing up. Yeah. 
like the time where we would be closest because Molly didn't like Chinese, doesn't like Chinese food. Mm-hmm. And then that's where me and you would actually yeah. bond. Like, yeah. Once a month, food. once every few I months. I bond with everybody over food. <laughs> we go to the Chinese restaurant and we'd be like, all right. And we would spend like two hours there, yes. just me and you, just talking, just catching up because yeah. it wasn't like we were close. But after, I think after you got married, and especially what's so weird to me. It's not even just after you got married and after you become a mom, but after you moved to Oregon, how much closer we got. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I was living in Texas. Yeah. So I'm living in Texas. I learned how to let people in. I, like you say, we weren't close. I wasn't close to anybody. I didn't open up to and Not even dad. That's the person I always saw you closest uh-uh. with. I was closest with dad, but I wouldn't open up. No. I'm a very, very private person. Like it even is very hard for Jeremy to get me to open up sometimes. Like I just, I'm, I'm a self processor. And so if I don't want to, like if I want to improve something, then I don't talk about it because I don't want to focus on it. And I want to focus on the solution. So I wasn't, I wouldn't really open up to anybody. But yeah, I think it was really weird that we like, Got so much closer living halfway across the country from right, each other. Yeah. And I wouldn't even be, honestly, I wouldn't even be able to pinpoint like what years that was, what that happened. I feel like that was just a natural, like mm-hmm. that was just really natural for us, which I think is so, I will say this. There's a lot of sisters who I know are really, really close mm-hmm. and like do all these things together and confide in each other. And like, sometimes I wish I mm-hmm. had that with you and Molly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like me and you have kind of graduated into this, into a form yeah. of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, and then that's even been even more recent. Yeah. Very recent. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, honestly, it's pretty funny you say that because I wish for the same thing. And I even see a lot of that in my boys, especially my older two that are absolute best friends. And like, it's really, neat to see that at the end of the day when one of them has had a really hard day they cannot wait to see the other one because they need the other one just to comfort them and I remember when I had a really hard day the last thing I wanted were my sister sometimes because I was like great this is going to be harder and so I wanted that and then I was like Mm, okay, well, to get that, you need to work at that. <laughs> so you need to open up. You need to start having that. But I wanted that too. And just seeing that or having friends that are like, oh my gosh, my sister's my best friend. And I'm like, am I even friends with my sister? <laughs> I know they're family. I know they're there, but am I friends with my sisters? So I used to think that too, because yeah, I would see my friends and they would be so like, so close. And I know when we we're younger, obviously it's different because it would, because of the age difference, right. but that doesn't become into effect as you get older. No. And, and I used to think that too. And obviously all of us have grown in our different ways and everything. I've always known that you weren't so open. So I would try to be careful of the questions that I'd mm-hmm. ask you, like in regards to just life and how right. things are going, because I didn't want you to feel like I was prying into your life. Right. But then part of me is like, I want to know what's going on. But then at the same time, I'm like, but if she feels like I'm prying into her life, she's not going to want to talk to me. Yeah. And I mean, again, at the same time, like I'm good with anybody asking anything. I'm not always going to answer. I feel like I at least have a joke to come back with though. (laughs) 
that was one thing. And I think that's, it's so funny because as we were talking, I realized like as an adult, like I joke around saying like, I'm funny, I'm funny, I'm funny. Like I'm funny, like as a joke saying I'm funny. But that was the one positive thing that I did get feedback on from the family is as grumpy as I was sometimes or as whatever, like, I did have a lot of really good one-liners that would make everybody <laughs> laugh and everybody would say I'm funny. And I don't know if you remember, but I used to like make up random songs. Like I remember one Thanksgiving, like <laughs> we were in Albuquerque and it was our first Thanksgiving and everybody was so depressed because we didn't have anybody we loved and cared about to spend Thanksgiving with. It was just our little family. And we never had that, right? Like never. we always we had, had tons of people. A of people always surrounding us. And so it was really depressing. and. I like made up this like blues song when we were eating blues. blues. Like I have the blues and like started going <laughs> off and making up a ton of lyrics to go with it. And I remember because it was very pivotal in my life for my comedy career. <laughs> I've seen it's been flourishing. <laughs> yes, it is. Another thing on my bucket list is I'm going to take stand-up comedy classes. Okay, I'll come out here. I have a long, long, long way to go. When you that. do that, I will come out here for that, for sure. <laughs> but I remember like just making up this whole like blues song and just making the whole family laugh. But look, I would say even when we're younger... When we came back and even like me and you could get really silly together. Right. Yes. Like stupid silly. Yes. Like, let me get makeup. Let me wrap you up. And- <laughs> oh, yes. We would be at 16. Wrap me up like I had a broken arm. It was in a car. <laughs> and a head injury. Gave- I gave you I put oh, makeup God. like you look at it like it. wrapped up the head in my arm. <laughs> What 16-year-old does that? I was 22. <laughs> or 21 when I did that. Oh, wait. The sad thing is we actually have a picture of we it. We do. And it, but you know what? We remember it and we actually were cracking up because and it was here's funny. the funny thing is Molly being the youngest sister already knew that that was too stupid. <laughs> so she was 13 and wouldn't even get involved. But you know, already too cool for us in middle school (laughs) when I was 16 and you were in your 20s. (laughs) But you know what? We had fun. So who cares? I think we we obviously had to be really bored that (laughs) day. Because why would we think I have have no idea? I mean, we got, I mean, I had a full on ace bandage everywhere. Yes. Yes, I made it look like there's blood, blood coming out of your head. Black eye wrapped you up. Yeah, I don't even know. That's so funny. Why didn't I have any boyfriends in high school? I don't know. How did I have any boyfriends? <laughs> Actually, if they would have known I did all that things, I probably would have had a lot more boyfriends. You probably in high would school. have. They would have seen how like how like yes. you know you could be goofy too yes. i always say like i had to i had to write down like the five things i think yes, i told you yeah but a sense of humor is like huge because yep. duh we're freaking goofy yes like you know i know you don't care about being goofy i know yeah. that you know i don't care about being goofy yep. so if you can't laugh at yourself exactly not and gonna. i think that's the one thing is like when i was younger i was afraid to just be silly because what would people say or think is if it's not funny to everybody else then it can't be funny to me. Now I don't care. I'm going to have fun with life and that's it. Yes, as you should. I mean, we haven't really talked anything about Molly just because she's not here or anything, but you know, it's, 
there there are three of us. Like I said up the top, there's three. Well, Aaron's the middle, and I, okay, so we were at the winery the other yes, day. Yeah. Okay, and Aaron being the middle child, we would always joke that she had middle child syndrome. She was like the oldest and the youngest always got the attention. Two middle children syndrome. There's one middle child where they are the rebel. And there's one middle child where you're Jan Brady. <laughs> <laughs> you were really the rebel, though. No, I wasn't the rebel. I was the Jan yeah, Brady. Was That's what say. I'm saying. Yeah, no, I was about to say, okay, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> but that song, um, Just My Imagination, yes. came on. Oh, and man. we started cracking up because that was Erin's like, song because she would always say, like, oh, this, this, and We'd be like, what are you talking about? I swear I saw this or I swear that it And we're like, okay, it's just your imagination. And now Although I will say I took ownership of that and at least made a joke out of it. And I made that my song. I took power over that. <laughs> That's right. Because it's, I wait, you saw me smile when that yeah, song and you said, my song. <laughs> it's my song. I own it. Yes. I claim it. <laughs> What would you say my song would be growing up? I mean, and what do you, I, like, so to describe the funny me. thing is there's only two things that popped into my mind, but neither of them have anything to do with your personality. It just has to do with your interests because I thought of Janet Jackson. Like, I just think of, like a moth to the fire. <laughs> and then I think of Mariah Carey because those are the people you played over and over and over and over. So I don't know about personality. My formative years <laughs> were from Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey. Yes. And I have no shame And it came that. for a full circle because for my 16th oh, birthday, right. you took me to a Janet Jackson the Velvet concert. Rope Tour. Yep, with Usher opening oh, that was before so he was good. big. This is the way, yeah, look, I, hey, I'm proud of that because I'm mm -hmm. 21 years old. I got mm -hmm. us pretty good seats, yeah, too. Yeah, it was so much fun. And me and you went. Who and did you see? You saw somebody, Donald Faison. Oh, yeah. He was in, like, yes. in line for the restroom yes. or something. Because it was in Anaheim. Yes. Where we went to see her. And we didn't realize how risque that was going to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good thing mom had no filters for yeah. us. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The things that, like, I see that mom let us oh, wear or listen to. Oh, children in elementary school. <laughs> Singing. Color me bad when I was in I want to sex you school. up. Yes. Um, so people are going to think that we <laughs> had the best mom or we need to go to. <laughs> she was real. But then again, we were so sheltered at the same time. We didn't know what any drugs were. We didn't know what anything was. We had to pretend through life. Oh, man. Yeah. So we, I don't know. We had a very interesting dichotomy of a childhood, yes. I would say. I mean, for sure, it was not perfect. But, but overall, I would say, I mean, everybody has craziness that goes around around them but. oh i'm sure my kids are gonna have lots of stories to tell and are you preparing are you preparing them for therapy already um i already have most people have college funds i have a therapy fund for them <laughs> you're like you don't need to go to college <laughs> they can you pay just... for their own college but therapy is going to be a way bigger <laughs> expense yeah you're like uh yeah no <laughs> look with all of us in our family oh my god they're they're definitely <laughs> Oh lordy, and I would I would say, and what would you say Molly's songs would be? Hmm, what would Molly's songs be? I don't know. She was too cool. She was always just too cool for everybody. 
She still thinks she's too cool. Oh, I'm too sexy because she did love that song growing up too. That is her song. I'm too sexy. That's probably still her song in her own head. It is. Or don't you wish your girlfriend like me? She's gonna kill us. <laughs> She'll never listen. No, she won't. So we can say whatever. She's never gonna say whatever. Listen. She won't even know. Kathy's listening. <laughs> Hi, Kathy. That's our cousin. That's our cousin. See, I told you guys are listening to a whole different side of me today. Getting to know me in a whole different way. In a way that only like that's listening to <laughs> the only the only way a sister can uh, bring it out. That's so funny. But you know. I'm not going to lie. I always had this, not always, as I moved and then as Molly got older. And it wasn't with you because you had your own life. Mm -hmm. You were already living in Portland. You're you're married and having kids and everything like that. And then when Molly went to grad school, because she was in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And so she was close to me. So we got to see each other and everything. And like, I get so excited, especially like if you guys were to move close, I would have been like so excited to have, to have Molly, my, you know, my sister, not just family, but my sister being right. just a few hours away was so exciting. And then she did spend one Thanksgiving with me, but then would always like go home. Mm-hmm. And then it was always mom and dad constantly yeah. like buying her tickets back and right. buying. I'm not going to joke. I started, I, I think at that point I started growing a little bit resentful. Well, I think that goes back into your sister's your best friend because I don't think, I think as much as we love each other and we know that each other's going to be there, we have never been fully supportive of each other. We've never been like, you're doing this. You're amazing. I am so proud of you and just gone with that. It's been like, okay, that's what you're doing. Cool. And like, we've done our own thing. Mm -hmm. I think that support has not ever really been a big part of our relationship as sisters. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've told you, and this is as old, as older person, I know. And if I haven't told you, then I'm sorry, but I know that I've talked about you specifically in a way of, I've learned so much from you in regards to how you raise your kids. Right. Yeah. And, you know, even though you're a younger sister, you've grown into yourself in this really really cool way to see right especially yeah thank you and to me I'm very proud of you you know like I am really proud of you I'm proud of you as as the person you are and we were talking about this the other day that you know all of us have me you and Molly all have this social justice thing Mm -hmm. inside of us that we've always kind of had me it's always like a lot of it's been about immigration and black lives, you know, well, before black lives matter, talking about like racism and there's always, it's always kind of been a lot of stuff around that. And even me and my friends back in high school would talk about this because there was bills even in California back in high school that we were like doing our little Mm -hmm. things for. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you became very immersed in the foster care system. Yeah. I mean, that was always something that was really important to me, but then being able to be an adult and be a part of it and actually live it out and see, like, that was really interesting. Yeah. And I've always been into LBGTQ rights as well, but Molly's like really, really, like that's really, really into it. So it's really, so when I talk about like being with somebody where social justice is important, and it's so weird because it's not like mom and dad were like, 
these pioneers and these social warriors. They weren't, they were always very, this, the, what they would do, because it was always like, yes, there are black people. Yes, there are white people. Like we acknowledged that there was skin, like mom and dad were never like, don't see skin color because they never said that, but they were very much, you need to judge the person by who they are. Yes. But I don't even think they had a understanding because dad looks white. Yeah. And mom, so. yeah, and mom can vary. Her shades vary depending right. on the time of year. Yeah, but, but her lifestyle has always been more of a white lifestyle yeah. than she's had. So even they were not very aware right. of certain things going on. Or Although it is, so one thing that mom did tell me, and I don't even know if this is true or a story that it was just my imagination, but, <laughs> um, but one of the reasons mom didn't teach us Spanish is because she got in trouble as a kid. Yeah, for both of them. Spanish to Spanish speaking kids that they went to school with and mom didn't want us to be ostracized the way that she was. And so that's why she raised us the way she did. So I think there was that awareness with her, but she didn't voice it in a social justice way, but there was that awareness of people are treated differently and that she doesn't agree with it. But then she also did teach us how to blend in and how to interact with everybody. But she doesn't blend in. So I don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) She doesn't blend in in a fun way. So that's, that's a different story. That's a different story. If anybody has seen any of my Insta stories, (laughs) Mama, our mom is crazy. But no, you're right, because both dad said that too. Like they both, you know, would get in trouble for speaking Spanish because Spanish was both of their first language. And then they didn't want us to go through the same thing. So I think to a certain extent, yes, they they understood that. But I also think that the farther away they got from that, the farther away, like it's a a memory that they, that's so far back that you can't even almost relate to it anymore. So the fact that we've become, all three of us have become so kind of justice warriors in yes. our own way. To me, I think that's really rad. Like, that's mm-hmm. so awesome. You, because you and Jeremy have, how many kids have you guys fostered? Well, I mean, gosh, maybe 10, 12 kids. I don't know. And some have been for longer periods some of time than others. Some have been for overnight. Some have been for years. Some have been for a few months, weeks, any a whole family. Yeah. And then now you've recently signed up to be a CASA volunteer. Yes. Which yeah. is going to be so up your alley. And I'm so proud of you for that. I'm trying to figure out like how that will work once we go back into the office. Right. Because that's why I haven't done it. Right. But it's so important because it's these so kids important. need advocates yeah they need people fighting for them and just being in the foster care system and seeing how broken it is and even the social workers want to do the right things but they're so overloaded with so many cases not a lot of funds and there really are very few advocates for these children and especially as they age, the resources are less and less. There are things that are available to them, but they don't even know that they're available to them. They have to seek it out. That was one thing that was so devastating when we had a foster daughter that was 16 years old. And we learned that um, they were telling us all of these things, all of these resources that would be available to her at 18. We were like, great. How can we get her involved in these? How can we get her to know about these? And they're like, 
oh, well, she has to ask. Like, well, how will she know how to ask? And it was basically once a child hits a certain age, they are just wait for them to age out of the system. And they're unless they have somebody on their side, it's really, really hard for them to have any sort of help once they turn 18. I remember you guys telling me that story. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. For, yeah. But you, you're you doing something, right? Right. You're doing something. Me, I've wanted to, but it's like me as a single person in a one-bedroom right. apartment, I'm I'm limited in regards to being able to, you know, provide a roof for somebody. Right. And even if you get money for it, that's still not enough. No. And, and that's, you don't, yes. you can't say, oh, like, unless you have a ton of kids, I guess, because I know there's people that work the system right. in regards to but that. Even but even so, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's um, reimbursement, first of all. And so um, it's not like you get paid to do it. They reimburse you. Um, the amount is not very large. We always most times every month would pay out of our pocket for whatever these um, kids needed, whether it be clothes or school supplies or activities or whatever it would be. We ended up a lot of times like giving more than our quote unquote reimbursement would be. And we were very fortunate and feel very, I don't know. It was our way of being able to give back in a different way. And so we didn't look at it in any other way. But yeah, I mean, and that's the hard thing too is foster families. There's some that are really, really great. And there's some that feed their kids top ramen every day and just pocket the rest of the money. How are the boys with all of the, like, I know that there was yeah. some that was harder than yeah, others. Yeah, that, that was hard. Um, Like I said, we had a, a 16-year-old, Um, the rest of the children that came into our home were mostly two years old. And somehow that became our little niche for fostering. So it was hard too, is a very hard age. Some of the kids had been in foster care already. Some of them, we were their very first placement. And so they had left mom and had come straight to us and very challenging. A two-year-old is very challenging to begin with. A two-year-old that has had trauma in their life has an extra level of challenges so the boys knew one thing that we did before we would get any placement is we would have a family meeting and we would talk to the kids and say okay we got a call to foster a child that this is their story this is what we know of their story I will say foster parents will relate to that mm -hmm. this is what we know of their story and we would say, we would let our kids be honest and say, let's take a family vote unless all of us are a hundred percent, like we won't do it. Um, and they knew the sacrifices it would take and they knew that it would mean for, I mean, at least the first week that they would get very little of me and this foster child um, would get all of me, a very, very, very large portion of me. And that was really hard for them. And so as parents, we had to decide what, what, what were we okay with? What things were we allowed or what things were we okay with allowing our children to experience? We didn't want them to feel like they were neglected. We didn't want them to feel like they were ignored. But at the same time, we can show them how to sacrifice for other people. We can show them how, how to love other people and I think that's one thing that mom and dad told like taught us by example is everybody that came into our home 
whether it be for an hour, whether it be for a longer amount of time. Because there are people that lived with us at different times in our childhood. Always. We always had people. We've had cousins, friends, everything. That they were family. If they come into our home, they're family. And that's one thing we wanted to teach our boys is anybody that comes into our home, we're going to treat them as family. And so I think anybody as, that's come to my house understands why right? I am the way I am too. Now. Yeah. And as, as a family, sometimes we sacrifice for each other when somebody's in need, we all kind of sacrifice a little bit to help the person in need. And so we, um, sometimes it was really hard for the kids. Sometimes they felt like they were getting the short end of the stick and I appreciate that they shared that with us and we would tell them that, but at the same time, we would say, we're okay with you not feeling like you're the center of the universe. You don't always need to be the center of the universe. Um, we want to support you. We want to love you. We want to help you grow. We want to help you thrive. We want to give you everything we can give you. However, we are okay with you seeing that there are larger needs in the world that go beyond this house, that go beyond your individual need that you have right now. And the kids, I think, one reason we kept going is because after a child would be would move on from our home, um, probably about two, three months later, because we would always take a break in between so that we can pour back into our kids, they would ask, like, Mom, when is somebody else going to come live with us? And so to see their excitement for it showed us that we could keep going. Mm-hmm. I know that the last foster child you guys had, mm-hmm. you had for almost a year. Yes. Oh my gosh, the cutest little girl oh ever in the world. Oh, and so also, sweet. yes. But you guys decided after that to yeah. take a break for yeah. an extended break. Yes. Yes. An indefinite break. And that was more so because we had already taken our indefinite break. And the situation of this child was something we couldn't say no to. And so as a family, we talked about it and we have decided that although we were taking a break, we will do this. Um, and, and she became part of she the family, became part of our family, part of our family. And um, I love that. I still, she has since been adopted by the most amazing family in the whole entire world, but I still get to have a relationship with her. I still get to see her. I still get to be a part of her life. So mm, I know she's so cute. So cute. Mm. Anytime you're with her, I'm like, FaceTime me. I know she's so special to me. Well, it took a turn from where I was initially talking about, <laughs> but it was a good turn. So because we were talking, I was initially saying how I started becoming resentful of Molly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. And no, 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 because this turned into a good, like a good thing. And and it wasn't because of her per se. It was of the fact that being the oldest, mm-hmm. I've, and, and I would never say that mom and dad have not ever done anything for me because they really, really have. Yes. But there's been times where I've just wanted them to come visit. Yeah. And then they've always put Molly first. Yeah. And I, I, I would say where it really hurt the most. It hurt so, so bad. And I was really conflicted on how I felt was when Molly was a few weeks from being discharged from um, the reserves. And then she got called up to active duty in the Navy mm-hmm. reserves. Yeah. And she was going as a nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, going to, going to a hospital in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we all. Go to South Carolina. Yeah, like I said, we all are there for each other. Yeah, we, we are all going went. to be there. You're going, we're going. Yeah. All of us. All of us. It was like the first kind of, 
I don't know if we'd call it an official family vacation, but it was right, kind of like yeah. a family vacation yeah. that we had taken. The boys, Jeremy, yeah, mom, dad, everybody. all of us. And I had told mom in September when I was graduating from college. Right. And I was like, this is when I'm graduating. Mm -hmm. Start saving money. Like, I really want you to be there. I've worked really hard. Mom and dad did not pay for any of my school. I worked full time, went to school full time, like all of this to go. And then a month, maybe a month or six weeks before I'm graduating, Mm -hmm. maybe Molly is going overseas. Mm -hmm. So we all go there. Obviously. I don't hold that against Molly whatsoever. She's going overseas to right, to serve. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I knew, like, there wasn't even a question. No, no. But then when mom's like, oh, well, we spent all our money to go to South Carolina and we can't afford to go mm-hmm. to your graduation. Mm-hmm. That hurt. Right. So right. bad. Right. Like, that was, like, to the core Hurting. Because I think you, in some regard, look at it as, no, I know you can afford it. You're just not making it a priority. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've heard, too. Yeah. And it was like, of course, and it was, and I felt so bad how I felt. Right. Not at mom and dad. Right. But there was like some resentment against Molly even then. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, of course, you're going to do this for Molly, but I need you here for my graduation and you're not right. going to be here. And I felt, then I felt bad for saying that right. because it's a, I, I, Worked through it and everything. Right. It took me a while. I'm not gonna yeah. lie because, yeah. but you came. Yeah. So yes, I did my very first solo. Well, I would say okay. So we did do Washington D.C. So that was semi solo. That I was before fly. you and Jeremy got uh-huh. married. But this was my first solo trip, and I had I had four, all four kids already. I got all four kids already. And so this was, they were finally old enough for me to leave them for the very first time. I think it was the first time I ever left my kids for overnight. And it was so much fun. (laughs) We had so much fun. And I'm so appreciative that, like, to this day, I'm well, so appreciative yeah, that you were there. and I was so proud of you, too. And I think that's really cool that you were able to work full-time and, as an adult, go to college and finish it and graduate. Like, that's a really, really big accomplishment. So I'm glad that I got to be there. I know. And you got to meet some of my, well, you already knew yes. me, but you got to meet some of my other yes. friends, too. Yes. But, you know. Now that we're... I got to party with Mimi. Yes, and my Laotian friends. They were so much fun. They're like, your sister is so much fun. She's taking shots at us. Everybody knows that I'm fun except for my family. (laughs) I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) Sometimes people think they need to say they thought you had to have fun. They know. (laughs) It's so much they have to say it. (laughs) I can't help but say it. But, I mean, look, we're... And we're like, this is, I feel like this, where we're at now in our Mm -hmm. lives is like a whole new phase of our life. And it's the closest we've ever been. Absolutely. And I, I love that. I mean, honestly, Adi, I love that. Like, yeah, even this trip, exactly. we started talking about things we've never talked about. It was so funny because last night I was at a work thing and they were talking, we were talking about quarantine and stuff. And I was saying how. A lot of times when family comes up to visit, like sometimes you're like, put a smile on, but you're like, oh, gritting your teeth at some things. But I'm like, I don't know if it's quarantine. I don't know if it's getting older. I'm not really sure what it is. But my sister's here. 
And there have been no annoyances. I'm like, you want to go to the store with me? You want to do this with me? You want to do this with me? Come on, let's togetherness, togetherness, togetherness. Let's do everything together. I don't know. Maybe quarantine's been good in some ways because I've just lost my marbles all the way around. It's because you love me so much. What are you talking about? It's because you love me. Hey, but real talk, I'm the person who's been here the most out of our family. Absolutely. Because... I Not mean, that it's a competition, but but kind of if it, it was. <laughs> well, my thing is, it's just me, right? And this time it well, was just me and it's been fun too because since I've gone down, you and I have gotten to hang out and stuff, and it's been fun to like hang out. And everybody's surprised. They're like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are sisters! That is so cool that you hang out together as adults and that you go and you do things together." Well, I think when you become adult, then you realize like, are you just sisters or have you become friends? And right. we legit become friends. Absolutely. So, love you. Love you too. <laughs> we're just going to get closer. Now we're just going to gush. Sorry, guys. I'm going to have to stop this because we're just going to start gushing over each other and it's going to be gross. <laughs> yeah. We don't need this love fest. <laughs> no, you want to see that. Hear that. Yeah. So, but I appreciate you guys listening because you've heard a totally different side of me and got to learn a little bit about my family and where I come from. Erin, what do you think? Like Preston's only a couple years out yeah. from going to college. Yes. Evan is right behind him. Yes. And then you have the two little ones. Yes. Like if there was one thing that you just would want them to remember about their time together here mm-hmm. on All Under One, what would that be? Um, I would say from the very, very, very beginning of our parenting when we had Preston and we got pregnant with our second baby. One thing that we wanted to ensure is that our kids would be friends and that they would respect each other and love each other for who they are. And so that is truly my biggest hope for them as they grow up, that they have a really deep friendship and respect for each other and that they will always be a support for each other. I think they will be. They're each other's best friends they and worst are. enemies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hope will what do you hope to see out of like our family? Um, I don't know. I think that just continued growth. I think that we've come a long way and I think that I don't know as we all get older. I love getting older. I love the just freeness that it comes with and just that it continues to grow. I feel like our last visit um, for Uncle Paul was really good. I feel like a lot of really good things came from it. I feel like a lot of the masks that we try to put on have been peeled off, and I just hope that that continues. Yeah. Well, I'm always here for you. Thank you. You know, you know, you can... Ditto. Tell me whatever, and I, I think you do. And you just see how my reaction is when you tell me certain things. I'm like, oh, okay, you're telling me, oh, I'm gonna have this done, or I'm gonna do this. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, because I get all the all the work. <laughs> well, like when you got a tattoo, you're like, I yes. got a tattoo. I'm like, oh, send me a picture. Yeah. <laughs> what does it look like? And then yeah. we have my mom who freaks out. Yes, who's like, what do you mean you got a tattoo? Yes, but now me, I'm trying to. Me and Aaron are planning on. I getting a tattoo. We need to figure out a tattoo yeah. to get together. So my mom can yell at me too. Yeah. <laughs> kind of fun. Yes. Well, until next time, mi gente. Gracias.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. Check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There you'll find the names of the wines we drink or the wines I drink by episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest. You can also find us on Instagram at The Wine and Chisme and Facebook and LinkedIn at The Wine and Chisme Podcast. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are always appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente, saludos!